In today's podcast, we're going to talk about what social studies is. And fair warning, it may get a bit philosophical. This podcast is the first part in a three-part series answering the following question here, what is the social studies curriculum? No top five today, just one question that we may not answer well, but we'll discuss heavily. The question is, what is social studies? So by the end of this episode, I promise you'll have some idea of what social studies is, or at least be able to think differently about teaching it next time. Whether you consider yourself a creative teacher or not, or just need a spark to re-energize your classroom atmosphere tomorrow, this episode will help you confidently engage your students and create an atmosphere for high-quality content, instruction, and amazing learning potential to begin. Merriam-Webster defines the term social studies as a part of a school or college curriculum concerned with the study of social relationships and the functioning of society, and usually made up of courses in history, government, economics, civics, sociology, geography, and anthropology. So as you can see, at the bare minimum, social studies involves many different sub-disciplines, all that incorporate some form of history, but also go well beyond that. I think this is where people most land on social studies as a discipline, but I think it goes well beyond this. Social studies is the study of all human enterprise over time and space. That's pretty big. But in schools, social studies is envisioned as possessing the knowledge and skills and values that assist individuals with tools to become a successful part of social society. In the past, religious and moral instruction were historically the basis for social studies in America. Other subtopics were added as time progressed, such as catechism, the Bible, geography, moral philosophy, nationalistic or patriotic material. In 1916, the National Education Association Committee on Social Studies introduced the actual term social studies and created a scope and sequence for the courses that would dictate this curriculum in public schools. Ironically, the report only guided secondary teachers on what and how to teach social studies, so there was no mention of an elementary angle in the discipline at all. According to the report, this conviction is based upon the fact that the million and a third secondary school pupils constitute probably the largest and most impressionable group in the country that can be directed to a serious and systematic effort through both study and practice to acquire the social spirit. And the 1916 paper continued, if the two and a half million pupils of the seventh and eighth grades are included in the secondary group, this opportunity will be greatly increased. So middle schoolers would only count in the social studies program if the program as a whole was expanded, and then they, too, would have the benefits of being taught social studies. The 1916 report also discusses the aims of social studies instruction. It states, quote, The social studies differ from other studies by reason of their social content rather than in social aim. For the keynote of modern education is social efficiency, and instruction in all subjects should contribute to this end. Yet the nature of the content, the social studies afford particular opportunities for the training of the individual as a member of society. Whatever their value from the point of view of personal culture, unless they contribute directly to the cultivation of social efficiency on the part of the pupil, they fail in their most important function, 
So the 1916 report talks about social studies really accomplishing one goal, having every student be a part of a social group in the United States. It might be important to take a few minutes to discuss what was happening in the U.S. in 1916, just to get some perspective on why this report showed a social promotional perspective. Here are a few major events that may have surely been the cause for the undertones of that 1916 report. First, Woodrow Wilson was president. In January, Black History Week was founded by Carter G. Woodson. By March, President Wilson sent U.S. troops to the Mexican border in search of Pancho Villa during the Mexican Revolution. In April, the Chicago Cubs played their first Major League Baseball game, and by May, the U.S. was occupying the Dominican Republic. The National Park Service was created in August, as parks in California and Hawaii were recognized. In September, the Keating-Owen Act was the first federal law brought forth to restrict child labor. It's passed, but then it's ruled unconstitutional in 1918. Birth control was being discussed in October when the first clinic is opened in Brooklyn, New York, and in December, the Hampton Terrace Hotel in North Augusta, South Carolina, one of the largest and most luxurious hotels in the nation at the time, burned to the ground. Weird, right? What an eclectic list of historical events in the year 1916. But maybe this list isn't so eclectic. Rather, it shows the multitude of thoughts, ideas, positions, and philosophies American people were conjugating at the time. And this is by no means an exhaustive list of 1916. All of this to further the point, social studies needed to be the study of being part of the growing and utterly complex American society. And to some degree, students needed to know their history in order to put what was happening in 1916 into context. We needed individuals to cultivate good citizens who thoroughly became an efficient member of the neighborhood, but he will be categorized, among other things, by a loyalty and a sense of obligation to his city, state, and nation as political units and to the human race. The first step, however, toward a true neighborliness among nations must be realization of the national ideals, national efficiency, national loyalty, national self-respect, just as real neighborliness among different groups depends upon the solidarity, the self-respect, and the loyalty to be found within each of the component families. So understanding the complexity of American society in a history class would also help these students in 1916 form a neighborly relation with things going on around them, in their cities, in their states, and in their nation, and for the human race. The debate still reigns even today as to whether or not social studies lands in a more historical context or in an interdisciplinary study of contemporary issues. Nonetheless, the contemporary social studies curriculum does have at least two sources, academic history and social improvement. Personally, views on what I was supposed to teach during the social studies period varied based upon my state, local policy, and political culture, school administration at the time, national standards and guidelines, and what was happening in my life and the lives of my students. I'd say overall, my teaching of social studies back then combined all aspects of history and some degree of social improvement with a splash of citizenship. 
would yours be the same? So what about this concept of citizenship? Many social studies scholars deem citizenship education as the preparation of young people so that they possess the knowledge, skills, and values necessary for active participation in society. But no one has ever really defined the term citizenship or described in detail for us educators how citizenship fits into social studies curriculum. I believe that this fact is what makes it so very difficult to teach social studies in today's classroom. As a field of education, we haven't defined a term that gives value and direction into how to implement it. So social studies becomes labeled the hard discipline to teach, and maybe rightfully so. But I question those who think eliminating the teaching of social studies answers the question of what social studies is, or even what citizenship is, and how we should teach it in American schools. Personally, I've never been a fan of taking a 180-degree detour when faced with a challenge. But if we don't define it, how will we know what it is and whether or not it is of value to spend our time teaching? By 1977, Barr, Barth, and Shermis determined the social studies curriculum consisted of three themes. Citizenship, or they called it cultural transmission, social science, and reflective inquiry. A definite shift from the 1916 paper, but nevertheless, social studies has almost now landed on three main purposes. Socialization into society's norms, transmission of facts, concepts, and generalizations from the academic disciplines, that means all of them, all the others, and the promotion of critical and self-reflective thinking. So here by 1977, the aim is more toward a combination of facts with the addition of socialization into some form of citizenship. But it also includes this idea of critical and self-reflective thinking, which I think is interesting because the debate in social studies doesn't even stop there. More current and post-1990s definition continues on this idea of cultural transmission or critical and reflective thinking. These terms, though, aim to emphasize teaching content behaviors and values that reflect views accepted by the traditional dominant society. Well, this approach seems pretty conservative and questions the standard view of what social studies is or what it could be. And arguably, American history and culture is made up of a multicultural view and I believe should involve critically learning about and thinking about the diversity that exists around us. In addition, there's no mention of civic education or an argument about what it is or how that knowledge should be obtained. I agree that now our students should know what has happened, who they are in what has happened, and what we should be teaching them to do with the social studies knowledge that they've acquired. I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that this one is going to be different. I'm certain that I've asked more questions than I've answered, and probably, no, Definitely. I haven't gotten anywhere close to the answer to our original question, what is social studies? But maybe that's the point. Social studies, like the society and cultures in which the human being exists, is an ever-changing, breathing discipline. It can't be tied down to one definition or another, and it changes as we change. I encourage you to ponder what you think social studies is the next time you're planning for a lesson or a unit. Maybe just to pause and help you solidify your approach to the lesson tomorrow is really the goal here. Or maybe it will make your head spin with even more questions. I'd like to think that the pause to understand what social studies is to you today will help you engage your students 
in a dialogue as to why we're spending the time learning about something that happened not today in the first place. 